I wanted to bust a myth about codependence. It is not about depending too much on people, but rather that codependence can't meet their needs directly. And I have Ron Gallo here, who is a fellow completion process practitioner. Um, and I invited her to talk about this because she has excellent knowledge. Hello. Hey, everybody. I have a YouTube channel just under my name, Rowan Garlo. And I'm really excited to be like chatting with you about this today because I think codependency is something a lot of people research on the internet they want to know about. And if they do finally realize that maybe codependency is something they struggle with, they don't know like what does that mean for them and how do they heal that. So today we're going to talk about the common myth and what the reality of codependency actually is, where it stems from, and then what do we do? Exactly. Like when I research codependency on YouTube, every single video says that codependency is about depending on a partner. It's about that um, we don't, we're like we can't live with any other people. And basically, the, the what people always are saying is that we have to be independent and blah blah blah. But actually, it's not the real problem. The real problem is not being dependent, but that you that you can't fulfill your needs in a direct way. And so I wanted to talk, uh, ask you, Rowan, because I think you know really well, like, how is the codependent created? Yeah, so the codependent is created because in childhood, like, we have our own wants, needs, and desires. And because we're part of this social group, as soon as we realize that by being part of this social group, only some of our needs are okay, some of them are not okay. So the person that can survive in the way of getting rid of their own needs by basically, but the thing is, is they, they still have needs. They still have to get them met. So they get their own needs met by meeting other people's needs. And so for most codependents, they're totally disconnected from what their actual need is because their wires are all about I just need to please you, make you happy so that I can get what I want from you. So it's all about getting, like you were saying, getting your needs met indirectly, but it comes from a space of really having had no choice but to realize that people were not going to just directly meet your needs. There was something that you had to do for someone else. Yeah, exactly. And I think that this ties in with self-sacrifice because people always think that the codependent is the one that is self-sacrificing and is the one mm. that is something else as someone else. And that also that they are somehow like the good people, you know, and the ones that are like the victims of the situation. But what I really want people to understand is that there is nothing like not being a selfish person because as you just explained, everyone wants to and needs to and should fulfill their own needs like that's really really good you know if everyone would directly go for what they wanted i think we would live in a very happy world but because there is this like really it's like looked as good you know the self-sacrifice and the codependents are somehow looked um as like the poor people and i would really empower the codependents to realize that there is nothing like valuable but not going directly for what you need because what actually happens if you don't do that is that you become a very very unhappy person and you will really really like have very bad relationships 
Yeah. And a lot of times you end up, the codependents end up resenting the person that they're in a relationship with, who is typically the narcissist because they're not attuned to, but they're not, and it's not their fault, but they're not showing up in the relationship. The codependent's not showing up in the relationship with their authentic needs at the table. So it's sort of like, well, how can you expect somebody to authentically meet your needs if you're not showing up with them? It's not your fault that you don't have them or that you don't know what they are and that you, you have beliefs that, that tell you that it's not even possible for you to get those needs met, but that it makes having a relationship very difficult because if we can really show up with what we need and we know what that is, we're much more likely for someone to know whether that person is even capable of meeting that need or not. Otherwise we're, we're just playing out these, these roles. Yeah. Totally. And I also think that often the, the codependents are the ones that make people really miserable because they make you feel very guilty because um, yeah. they, are, they are the typical self-sacrifices, right? Like the mom, for example, in the, in the family who's always just doing everything for everyone else. And then the, the kids and the husband feel like they have no right to criticize her, for example. Or um, if she did something wrong, then she says, oh, but I'm like giving my life for them. And I think that, I think it's really time for our society to, to really look at that and let go of this whole victim perpetrator dynamic because it actually does not, it doesn't serve us at all. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think both people in the situation, the narcissist or the codependent, they're potentially, you know, they're both victims at some point in their life. Um, and it, it is the codependent is the one that gets seen as like, oh, poor you. And, you know, it's so bad that people are abusing you this way. But, you know, the codependent is all about really letting that happen because they know that by letting it happen, they're going to get what they want. And for a lot of in a lot of cases, especially in a narcissistic relationship, what they're getting is security that that person is not going to, to leave them. And so that's where some of that, that term codependency comes from. And like when people start putting, oh, dependence, it's like they are, they're meeting other people's needs to safely and securely make sure that that person needs them so much that they won't leave them. So oftentimes the narcissist in the situation is also equal, just as dependent because they're dependent on the narcissistic supply that they're getting from the codependent. And the codependent's like, yeah, I'll gladly give you that narcissistic supply as long as you never fucking leave me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that, like, yeah, you can see that in a, in a relationship, for example, with an addict. Yeah, that's where the term comes from, right? But also in a, in a family where there's, for example, a sick child, you know, like Teal Swan talks always about this, of the scapegoated child, the, the one child that is sick and that carries all the problem of the family so that none of the other family members have to look at their own problems. And I feel like the, the codependent in that family dynamic is often the one who is like so much actually keeping the child sick or keeping the child, you know, whatever the problem child so that they don't fucking ever have to look at, at themselves. And I realize right now I actually, I'm getting a bit like angry at this because I think my, my view of this has changed so much because I used to, I used to blame narcissists a lot. You know, I have, I have some experience with narcissists and I used to always blame them, but now I understand more and more that the codependent actually often has a really big role in making these family dynamics like so unhealthy and so painful. Yep. 
Yeah, it's totally the codependent that's enabling that. And and we'll say like, like you said, look, aren't I so good? I brought my sick child into therapy. Like she's really needs help. Look how damaged she is. And they and they want the praise of like, wow, you're so amazing. All the while they're getting that need met, right? The need is I need people to see me as good and that I'm, you know, helping my family when the reality is so starkly different from that. And so because they don't want to look at that reality, they've got to find ways to validate this self-concept. Yeah, absolutely. When I grew up, I remember that I was a little bit enmeshed by my mom. And I think she Mm -hmm. always asked me to be nice to people, to help people, you know? And, and, And it was so interesting because I realized that my sensitivity and empathy was actually created because I, I was so hyper aware as a child because it was a bit like emotionally unsafe. But basically I was always told, oh, you're so sensitive and empathic and nice, you know, so you have to be this way. And I think I realized that when I'm like this, first of all, I, I get kind of like, my mom tells me that, you know, I'm a good person, but also other people like find me the nice, you know? So Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely part of it is like, as a culture, we even have, we breed codependency. We breed people to violate their own boundaries all the time. And, and sometimes in the most subtle ways that you'd never think like, Oh, go hug this person when you don't want to hug them, even though it doesn't feel good for you. Um, And enmeshment completely because there's so many times where you have a boundary and then the person's like, well, that's bad. You, you can't want that or need that. And so you just start to adapt to what everything else is. And then when you're an adult, what that looks like is people who get their, their boundaries violated or they're violating their own boundaries. And then they're like missing that whole portion. And all they're left with is the emotional feeling afterwards of like, why don't I feel, why do I, I don't feel good in my relationships. I don't feel good in and how like what's being done to me in the moment or or it can play out in sex or something for example like letting people go farther than what you're comfortable with because it's it's such a an ingrained part to to even just bulldoze over those boundaries cuz those we have these mechanisms inside of us that tell us when something's not right for us and when you override and shut those down for so long at such a young age we don't even notice really when our boundaries are being violated sometimes until it's way too late or it's so subtle that maybe it's like, Oh, I'm confused in the moment and it happens so quickly. Um, so I think that that's why boundary work is so important and getting in touch with really what your needs are and, and looking at all the ways that the things that we feel bad about wanting or needing, because that will prevent us that shame that we got originally from our parents, this is not okay for you to have this or need this, that, that will block us being honest with ourselves about what we really do need. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely what you're saying. Um, I mean, we, we talked about this in the other interview you had that I would really recommend watching. It's about enmeshment trauma. And there we touched on a little bit, right, that the super enmeshed child yeah, is basically becoming the the codependent because also they never learn to to set this boundary or i guess they learn that if they don't set the boundary then they get love right yeah mm-hmm. whereas the narcissist would be like if i don't set the, the boundary then 
I'm just suffering. So I set the boundary like very, very strong and never let anyone close to me. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I feel like the more I understand codependency, the more I feel like it's like this underlying disease that, um, so yeah, as of what I touched on before, when I, when I research on YouTube, I always just feel like that codependents are the ones that are the victims and narcissists and narcissists are the ones that like are hurting them. But now I feel like codependency is actually like the bigger disease because it's kind of like the, the person that is hurting others without being looked at as such. And that is more dangerous, right? Like if, yep. you, if you meet someone like a, like let's say like a triple narcissist is like a very obvious asshole, but at least you know that they are assholes. But codependents, I think, are the people that are, you even feel like it's love, what they're doing to you, but actually it's not, you know? And what, that's what you said in the enmeshment video. It was, for example, the mom who is like hugging you and everyone's like, oh, she's so nice. But the kid feels that actually the mom is just hugging them so that she gets love, so that she gets looked at as the good mom. Um, so that maybe oh my gosh a big I think codependent thing is to maybe get the children on your side so that you know they are more closer to you than to your partner to get back at them so so many like manipulative things Ugh. <laughs> yep and I and really that last point that you're talking about is it's there's so many subtle little tiny things and the the some of the things I've noticed with my own recovery with codependency is that I, you don't even know what those tiny little things were because so much of what your childhood experiences, you're just normalized to it. And it's not until you get older and you start to realize like how that's affected, how you have relationships that you're like, wow, oh, that, oh, the tiny little, because that kind of dysfunction in families is not something that people are readily admitting to. So you're never going to get your parents to say, yeah, I really wanted you to be on my side because I wanted to get back at your dad. So I pitted you in between both of us. Like, unless your parents are really conscious, you're not really going to get that validation. So it can feel like, why is there this confusing gaslight that's happening and nobody's talking about it or admitting to it? Because and you may never get that resolution, but just knowing that there was really unconscious motivations that feel icky and yeah, but then we have to play into it because if you don't play into the dysfunction, then you go bye-bye. Yeah, exactly. And also I think it is, it is so deeply ingrained in culture. Like for example, the codependent narcissist relationship is so often has to do with gender, you know, that typically like the mom is more the codependent and dad is more the narcissist. Why? Because women did not have power. So they took power in the household. Their power was to um, be the one that is close with the kids, to be the one that, you know, she, she has to manipulatively um, try to, to, to gain power because otherwise she doesn't have it, obviously. And so, yeah. And so, when, they, when it is so cultural, it's like people do not even do not even like think about it. They don't even because it's like normal. And I and I think also that then often, for example, the woman would even say like, you know, my life is anyway so bad. Now you're even also like criticizing me. And and I and I found that these are like the, the worst dynamics if if it's so yeah culturally ingrained. Yeah. 
I really, really like that you're talking about gender because it's so true. That's exactly what happened was women had to take power back in the household. So we had to do it in manipulative, manipulative and covert ways. Um, and I think again, like going back to this whole thing on sex and codependency, there's been like really only recently where women are starting in history to talk about what feels good for them in sex. And really before it was like, just assume it's like women didn't many times weren't having orgasms or anything like that because there was no connection into talking about needs and what people need. And there was just like, I think that that's a, that sex in our culture is like an example of how we're starting to get really honest with what our needs are instead of just giving the other, our partner, for example, the satisfaction of feeling like they did something to please us when in reality we're not pleased by them so that they can continue. You know what I mean? Like I'm sure we've, I mean, I've done that. There's been times when I was much younger where I made somebody think that they gave me an orgasm because I thought that that's what they wanted. They wanted me to be happy it had nothing to do with my own genuine happiness or, or something. That's just something I think about when we talk about gender dynamics and expressing needs. And I think that there's also, if you want to flip it around the other way around, like for men, um, there's a lot of things that needs that men have that they don't feel like they can express either because that would somehow make them bad or wrong. And when we need to get honest about that too. Absolutely. Yes, I absolutely agree. Like, yeah, sexuality is is such a big topic and, and especially because it's such a shadow topic. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like society is slowly catching up with, you know, like emotional needs and um, just, of course, you know, equality with rights in the household and stuff, with working, but sexuality is still so shunned upon. And, and yeah, and I mean, I grew up in a middle-class white, you know, German um, community and you would think that everyone is so um, emancipated. Oh my gosh, not at all. What you just said, you know, with like pleasing the partner and even being still so shy with periods, you know, with orgasms, like with all these things, even looking at your vagina. I mean, I realized the other day I never even looked at my vagina. I don't know how we came to the topic, but yeah, you know, and it's so codependent, absolutely, because we are still so ingrained. And I think people... We have to stop thinking that we are so far in our development and also that something that is so deeply ingrained, like the gender roles, will just shift in 50 years and will not happen, you know. It will still mm-hmm. take a lot of time. Um, but, but I think that for me as a feminist, a big turning point of mine was to understand how am I hurting men? And that is a lot with healing from codependency you know, that I am not emotionally manipulating, that I'm not using because I often was better at communicating than men and that I kind of like confuse them, you know, and put them in the corner of being the asshole, that I'm looking for a compatible partner. That's also very important that um, can, want, wants to actually meet my needs. Um, and, and that I stop seeing the narcissist as this horrible, abusive person but instead that they are as traumatized as i am they are just as me trying to you know find love and find connection and um one actually so beautiful thing happens since i'm doing this is that my relationship with my father has 
skyrocketed like so incredibly much you know what i'm doing there just a little side note i'm like validating him the whole time and it works so much (laughs) wow yeah i'm curious to know just i know if your dad was like was he a narcissist growing up like with that yeah that's amazing that's crazy wow yeah like um he was always the narcissist and my mom the codependent and I always put him into the role of being like the bad guy and I mm-hmm. had problems but now um yeah I, I started to heal this this whole thing and I realized that actually my mom was manipulating me actually away from him you know and not her fault she is fucking lonely I actually did parts with um with both of them which was like the most healing experience ever yes i do this now with every one of my clients i do parts work where you know you you are your parents and that was so incredible because i realized what they are really about um, and yeah and with my dad now um it's like there was a whole lot of i feel like I, I, everything he was telling me i perceived through a filter yeah and now that i've healed this i can really connect to sensitivity which is so beautiful and and I realized that he was always the one being in the corner of the family. He was basically scapegoated by all of us because instead of him being codependent, you know, he was setting really strict boundaries. But the thing is for me also, like, actually, both narcissists and codependent have such good qualities. And to me, being able to heal my codependence and, and realizing how I am narcissist made me actually realize that some of the narcissist qualities are so good for me. You know, mm. like they make me have really strict boundaries. They make me be on stage. They make me do things like this. So I guess what I'm getting at is that I'm trying to lift both of these aspects of mine up into a very empowered state of being and taking the good qualities. I mean, of course, my amazing empathy, you know, in my work as a practitioner or when I'm talking to people, but the narcissist has amazing qualities as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really beautiful way to put it. And that's really great that that shift is take, like happening with your family. Um, cause so I had the same family dynamic with the dad, dad was the narcissist, mom was the codependent and, and also the same realization where I had been constantly pitted against my dad, the narcissist. It was like everything bad, bad, bad. You're terrible. And it really wasn't until somebody like I sat in front of a therapist and I was I, my whole life story had been about how he was such a terrible person and like, don't get me wrong. They're still like, I just cried like three days ago because of how angry I am about the fact that my dad's, you know, were not present in my life. So I'm not at that place of being able to forgive him. Um, but I will say that sitting in front of that therapist and having her tell me, do you see that? the per like that your mother allowed that to happen and I, I was like what like how could you say that because I was so enmeshed with my codependent parent that there was no way in hell that I could possibly see them as bad I was like what do you mean she's always been there she's been my ride or die it's the only thing I have because if I were to see her as as bad or oh my god like what would that mean about my entire reality So when I finally accepted like, wow, okay, there's actually bystander trauma here because the codependent is the bystander. They're the ones who lets this abuse happen and they let it happen because they're getting their needs met all the while. 
And all the while they're, they're pointing at this guy saying, that's why you're upset. That's why. And you're like, okay, yeah, I'm going to be mad at him. And then really they're not taking any of the blame. (laughs) And so it wasn't until I actually was like, oh my God, I have to put some of the blame on my mom and look at the ways in which I've been programmed to see the narcissist as the worst person in the world. And, um, and I had more compassion for that. Yeah. Afterwards of seeing like, I think that the, the lens that I was given because we're so susceptible to suggestion as kids that the lens I was given was a really dirty lens and it was not an accurate perception. It was a very distorted perception because if somebody had given me the lens of this is a person who is in so much pain that they have to, you know, like here's a narcissist. They're in so much pain that they had to close themselves off from feeling anybody else. That would have been a totally different experience, right? Yeah. But um, I think also what the problem was is that, so the codependent is enmeshing us, right? The, the narcissist is abandoning us and, and abandonment trauma feels, feels worse, you know, yeah. because at least we are still close with the, with the codependent. So, and that's why I think when you then start to heal those traumas, at some point you get so angry at the codependent because you didn't even realize the trauma and how severe it was. And, and, and then, yeah, I think that's what's happening. And, and I have the same thing, yeah, with the abandonment sometimes, like it really comes up more, but yeah, I think it's, it's beautiful for me because I realized that my dad has the same thing, you know, like he feels, he, he has like no one really because he can't let them close. And now, yeah, it's like a time, I don't know, I think it's real, it's a real big healing experience for me. And that is, oh, it's like the best, you know, when something was so stuck. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It um, is. I have good news though about like my relationship with my COVID mother. So I was able to have like multiple moments of really expressing to her like wow I'm so mad at you for the fact that you and then what's interesting because I want to talk about this because if anyone deals with this if you have a codependent parent and because typically not always but typically they're the person that's going to be more open you probably already have a relationship with them it might be easier for you to talk to them about healing and what's happening And what I noticed was that she immediately started crying and she was like really upset and hysterical and like, I did my best and like started going to this, like, I'm so sorry. And I realized in that moment that even that was an attempt to keep herself good, that she needed to be the victim of like, oh, oh. And like, okay, like on the one hand, she was genuinely in pain and she genuinely did not want to have hurt me but I had to stop her again. So notice that if you go to talk to a codependent and they flip the script on you again, and there's like a, a, Oh, how could you say that? You know, I, I'm so sorry. And I feel so hurt. And they make it all about them again. And it's not about your feelings. Then just notice that and say, Hey, again, now you're talking about your experience and I'm really needing you to be present with how I'm feeling. Like, this is not about the fact that you did the best you could. I understand that. You need to be here for my upset. So that's just what I want to put that out there. Oh, I think that is such a good tip. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that there, like, this, our cultural values of this 
that self-sacrifice is good, you know, and that the victim mentality is like helping them. But also I think um, you doing that is really actually so good for your mom, you know, and for any codependent, like if you really help them to see that, because of course it is super painful to, you know, to look at our shadows and especially if you're parents, because of course we love our children. We don't want to do that, but it is so important that we understand how we've hurt people. And um, yeah, I can say I acted narcissistic. I acted codependent. I know that I've hurt people, but understanding this will help me to not do it in the future again. And especially to become really free and to not do this because as we said before, it's about not being able to meet your needs directly. And so imagine, guys, if you feel like you have maybe codependent issues and let's say in relationships, your need is to have get praise or something. That could be maybe a good one. Like you don't need to be the perfect housewife or you don't need to be the perfect cook or be the perfect mom to get praise. You can just find a partner who praises you for whatever you want to be praised for. You know, that is real liberation going for what you really really want and asking for it directly and not manipulating like that really mm. needs to stop yeah that's like the highlight that should just be the highlighted key of this whole thing is is exactly what you just said and i don't think that there's i could have said that any better <laughs> <laughs> yeah because yeah, yeah. what ron before said is boundaries like boundaries are basically the cure for codependency and also narcissism actually and what people don't understand is boundaries are not just what you don't want boundaries are also what you want boundaries are basically a personal preference a choice it's it's all what makes you a separate person from another person so if you get that if you understand how to set boundaries how to communicate them in a super yeah just in a, in the normal way and you will not have problems anymore with codependency yeah, it's liberating. I like that word. It's it's freeing. And I think when people are starting to assert their boundaries in ways, like there needs to be two things that are happening. Like, first of all, there's because of the ingrained fear of what the response will be, like there's going to be a disconnection, there's going to be a pull away, right? Like anticipate that that might happen. Anticipate that when you draw a boundary of a, of a personal sense of self, whatever that is, what feels good for you, that it's, there's a high percentage, there's a likelihood, right, that somebody might not accept that boundary and decide to move away from you. And so seeing that as an opportunity of, oh, I'm really glad that now it's clear. I don't need to share space with somebody that can't meet my, my needs. That's a positive thing, right? Instead of an abandonment of that person going away, it's a conscious choice to no longer be in relationship where you can't get your needs met. So it, it is really liberating and it's, it's scary at first. So know that, you know, bring your fear with you that that part of you really fears that person might reject you, but know in the end, it's only bringing you closer to people who are going to be able to meet your needs and are going to jump for joy to do it because it feels good for them. Yeah. Wow, and that's such a good point because I did a Q&A the other day and someone asked me about how you know if someone is compatible to you. And I told them that you know when someone is compatible if they want to meet your needs, if they like 
are enjoying giving you what you need, you know? And I, I used, and my boyfriend was like, oh, but isn't that a codependent thing? And I was like, no, it's not a codependent thing. It is a compatibility thing. So, um, for example, my boyfriend loves cook. It makes him feel masculine, like a provider, like he is creative, like, you know, like this. And I love being cooked for. Like, it makes me feel super fucking happy and provided for and, you know, like, I don't know, food is like love for me and all these things. Um, and so in so many of these ways, we are so compatible because, or for example, I love giving advice. I love going, going with people, you know, in the shadow doing um, completion process and, and so what. And he loves my advice. He really cherishes this like priestess part of me and he loves someone telling him mm. these things. So, and I so often had partners that were like hating this about me, you know, that I always told them what to do, that I, because yeah, it's just, you know, it's my skill. I can see what's wrong with you. Man, if you don't like me seeing you, you don't like me, like being with me. Um, and, and yeah, and, and that is also the thing, what I think a lot of people, when they are stuck in these patterns of codependency and narcissism, it's like, oh, but like, how can I ever find someone that will not be like this? You know, yes, you can find him if you just, if you just have someone where it's not a, it's not a question that your needs are going to be met, you know, because mm -hmm. of course you can't, you can't be with someone that doesn't like to, to do things for you that you really need. It's, it's impossible, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think also if people are looking for another like really practical way to process some of this, like there's just the, the layers around even being able to have boundaries and needs. Um, like, cause I just started talking to this woman who's like much older in life and she's severely codependent. And it's like, how do we even, how do we even like, she's like, I don't know what my boundary is compared to my husband's. She genuinely doesn't know what feels good for her versus someone else. So like, I think that there's layers around that, that we deal with first, which is like, when was it first not okay for you? Like go into the feeling of, of even like, cause for some people, I think it would be a panic to like realize that they don't even have a sense of self. And so go into that panic of not having a sense of self. And like, when was the first time that you weren't allowed to have a sense of self and heal those layers around it before those parts, it's sort of like these walls that come down. So then it's now it's even okay to start exploring. Otherwise, there's kind of protection mechanisms that say, no, we're not going to go for what we need because we know what that means for us. So kind of like letting down those walls that those, those patterns and those memories and those traumas around it not being okay. Yeah. So in your completion process practice, like let's say someone comes, I mean, usually I guess they wouldn't really come specifically with a, with a codependence issue, you know, maybe something else. Um, and then, so what we said before guys, um, codependency is created through childhood trauma, essentially through a dysfunctional family household where the, the trauma was that you couldn't have boundaries, you know, like that, your own decisions and and yeah personality wishes were not okay so it's a trauma and um, if that happens um, and then you create this personality so what Rowan was just saying is that she works with this woman um and and you basically did you do completion process with her no so this is new this is a new 
a new person. I haven't had the opportunity to, but what I'm saying is that that's where we're going to start. I'm just going to start with working with the layers that are even protecting a person from even being in touch with the fact that they have their own needs at all in the first place. <laughs> sort of like the preamble. It's like, what, what do we do with people who are dissociated but are looking to heal trauma? Like, well, we have to deal with the layers around what is making it unsafe to feel in the first place. So it's sort of like, you know, we have to start way over here before we can get to the feelings. We have to start with what's preventing us from having needs before we can get to the needs. Yeah, especially if someone is really, yeah, like older and they have done this like their whole life. I can imagine that it's really, yeah, yeah it really goes deep. Something else I want to say, which I'm so glad you just brought this up about, you know, when people are older, like this stuff takes time. Like healing, healing these type of deeply ingrained patterns, no matter what the pattern is, if it's narcissism, codependency, addiction, um, and, and, these are all ways of having relationships with ourselves or, or not having a relationship with ourselves if we're looking at addiction and isolation. And to be kind with ourselves and know that it takes time. If it took you 25 years to realize that the pattern was there, it might take you another 25 years to work with and undo the dysfunction and create something new for yourself. So, I mean, even, even myself being somebody who knows this, like I still have this internal part that has this expectation that, oh, now that I understand this, great. I watched this video on codependency. I get it. Now I'm going to have boundaries and I'm just going to go out and it's going to be fine. And it's, it's absolutely insane and abusive to expect that of yourself. You have to continuously bump up against those, those circumstances that, that really call for you to have boundaries and notice, and it's just about noticing, okay, and if you let it happen and, you're, and you slip back into those old patterns, know that that's going to happen and say, oh, okay, that's what this is. And just kindly bringing yourself back. Um, because even though I say that, there's still going to be myself and everyone else who has that inner general that's like, you need to heal this pattern. You need to do better. So if you're watching this, you obviously care about your own mental health. Be kind with yourself. This shit takes time. and. And really, the better it gets, the better it gets. Like, I loved hearing Teal say that because it's true. Even if you go back into the same pattern and you end up in another codependent relationship or whatever, it's different this time. It's always different. You have a little bit more awareness and just let yourself become aware it's happening. Yeah, absolutely. It is so, so, so important that we remember this. And also that, yeah, it is basically something that is so ingrained in you, you know, it's like you would have a, maybe like a back issue or something that lets you walk not straight. So, um, yeah, like overcoming this or integrating this essentially, because I also think that like both of these, when I think about it, both of these traits, codependency and narcissism actually have a really kind of like maybe like a evolved state or they have like such positive traits of them. So it's not even to get rid of them, but maybe to lifting them up into their highest form because in the highest form, as I said before, yeah, codependency is like empathy and really getting other people being in tune with them. So I think if you can like heal it in a way that you can consciously choose to use it from time to time, I think that would be like super beautiful. Yeah, that is, oh, it's, I love that. It's so important. 
that there that we take a homeopathic dose of of all of these things and the exalted form of that is that it has value it wouldn't exist if it didn't have value and so there's you know codependency is on a spectrum and if you back far enough off from the dysfunction of it like you said you get this beautiful ability to be connected in a healthy way and then when you back off from narcissism far enough you can see how having a, a personal boundary and a sense of self is in a healthy way yeah totally yeah. so it is the and like mm -hmm. amazing entertainers have been narcissists right i mean it is beautiful when someone yeah no really i mean i i can see that you know when someone is like so in i guess i i feel very good about this because i see this in myself you know i mean you as well like you're an entertainer and that's beautiful because when someone can really stand in themselves and just like appreciate their qualities i think i love it um yeah and and for example like talking about my mom and her positive qualities and i think a lot of people can relate to this like i mean she had like the most sensitive heart you know she was really feeling when there was something up with me and she was like she was always crying at these like kids movies i found it always so funny um and yeah and, and she she was cooking with love you know and so and so of course this codependency also my upbringing had a lot of like like positive traits with it but yeah for our healing i think it is really important to see the good and the bad the positive and the negative and oh i think your video just oh, yeah, okay cool yeah <laughs> oh my yeah. god such a beautiful i just love talking to you yeah i love talking to you too this feels like it has a sense of completion to it like yeah. Like this is, unless, yeah, I feel like that we touched on the really important things about codependency and about yeah. working with your own boundaries. Um, maybe one other thing to mention, if, if, you, if boundaries are something that you struggle with, um, that I've heard Teal talk about is really treating every day like it's a new day and treating everything that you're eating and drinking and touching and seeing and tasting is all all from the perspective of a new like always checking in when you're with yourself do i like this what does this feel like for me knowing that sometimes we decided a long time ago that like just think about a food for example you decide when you're 15 that you fucking hate bell peppers and watermelon and that it's disgusting and then you keep you retry it again three years later it's still disgusting but then maybe when like me now i like suddenly started liking bell peppers and watermelon and it's because i kept checking in with myself but if i had already just solidified my identity around i am the person that hates watermelon and bell peppers well i i would never know so it's like i check in with myself how do i feel and, and we're always changing we're always a different what consciousness is showing up in your body is so different from day to day. We never know. So even if yesterday I really liked, I don't know, being in this particular park, maybe I show up in this particular park today and I have a bad feeling here and I want to go somewhere else. But does that make sense? Yeah. How can you not like watermelon? That is the only question I have to ask. <laughs> it's literally the best food in the world. <laughs> I know. And well, this, now, this is what a boundary is, guys. Here you have it. <laughs> you didn't like watermelon. I'm like, how can you not like watermelon? <laughs>
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, maybe I have a little snack for you guys, or I don't know, a little ice cream for you. <laughs> in the end. Babe, come here. I can show you a recovering codependent. Matt! Please! He says he's no, not codependent coming. He is asserting a boundary. <laughs> Very well done. That was your test. <laughs> it's codependent test. Oh my gosh. Recovering codependency. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to come on the video because I don't want to. Woo! Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Perfect example. See you guys. It's possible. We're doing it. Yes. Healing in relationship. That's what it's all about. So thank you so much for this amazing conversation. I really love talking to you and you look so beautiful. I wanted to tell you again, you're a shining, amazing woman. Thank you. I think, um, I feel, <laughs> I'm glad it's translating on the outside. I feel kind of crappy today, but see, that was, uh, that was me diverting that so we all have our own close shadow. Your that, close your eyes. Is close, it close my eyes? Yes. Take it in. Breathe it in. Beautiful. Breathing it in. That's another thing that if you have a hard time taking compliments, try breathing in when somebody gives you a compliment. Because a lot of times we, we have a way of actually energetically exhaling and pushing those things away from ourselves. And so, because, um, you know, we want to be seen. It's, it's like good if you don't. Yeah. If you're not like, oh, thank you, yes, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I just yeah. breathe that shit in. <laughs> and see, and there, this is where, like, my narcissistic side is really positive because when someone gives me a compliment, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you know? I'm yeah. And yeah, I think I am usually like that, but on video, I think there was a part of me that was like, oh, don't be too full of yourself. You're on video. People will see you and they'll be like, oh, mm -hmm. <laughs> Well, you're fucking gorgeous, and you should own it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and guys, I want to show you, like, here my absolutely cool cat shirt. I bought it yesterday. I love that. I mean, isn't this so amazing? And it's like you know, like soft, like fur. And it is a echo shirt, green fashion. Yes, guys, no H and M for me. <laughs> green fashion. I love that. Yes. No plug. No plugs here. <laughs> oh, okay. Another. I'll make a quick plug. If you want to go watch more about codependency and narcissism, I do have a video called "The Intersection Between Codependency and Narcissism," which I'll link below. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for popping in on this conversation, and um, hopefully, you got something out of it. We just love chatting about this stuff, and we could do it all day long. So, thanks for watching. <laughs> Absolutely. We really love it. And guys, I just had an idea. If you want to see me and Rowan going live, because I go live every Sunday, I think it would be like a fucking cool idea. And you can ask us questions and we can have a bit of a here and there bounce ball. I would love that. Yeah. And the cool thing about lives is that people can join in. So you can even, you'd have like a three-way conversation or people can comment. I would love that. Yeah. So I started doing lives, um, twice a month on my Facebook group, living lucid together. And I think 
the first one really turned out quite well. People were submitting questions, but I think it's nice to get more perspectives in. We need to do more on the spot so people can really get, get those questions flushed to the surface and, and yeah, get the, the clarity that they're looking for. Yeah, exactly, guys. Yeah, join our Facebook group, Living Lucid Now. We'll also link it below. And yeah, thanks so much for watching. All the best. <laughs>